Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. If you're anything like me, your health is very important to you. I know you listen to the show for tips to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Well, I have some great news for you. James Miller Lifeology has partnered with BioOptimizers Nutrition. As an avid nutrition and exercise enthusiast, I thought I knew a lot. But after taking a 12-week health course BioOptimizers offers and implementing their supplements, I noticed a huge difference in my energy and my digestive tract. Since you're a listener of Lifeology Radio, BioOptimizers is offering you the same 12-week course absolutely free. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements to take this free course. Here is a sample of what you'd learn. How to get 70% more energy in 30 seconds or less. The ultimate key to high performance, health, and longevity. How to turn the tide against uncontrollable food cravings. How to select the most powerful supplements for you. How to stay lean and trim without sacrifice. The simplest and fastest way to detoxification and great skin. And much, much more. To get access to this awesome health course, simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements and sign up today. Once again, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements or simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to remind you of the three-second rule, which will help you stop self-sabotage. I'll also be interviewing psychologist and author, Dr. Glenn Livingston, who reviews his book, 45 Binge Trigger Busters, How to Resist the Most Common Overeating Triggers Until They Lose Their Power Over You. This book is a must-read for anyone who struggles with binge eating or who gets triggered by food. For more information about Dr. Livingston and to purchase his book, please visit neverbingeagain.com. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out the form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. The three-second rule. Did you know that self-sabotage starts as quickly as three seconds? Anytime we want to make a healthy change in our life, it's really important that first off, we're committed to it. But secondly, we prepare ourselves for those times when, frankly, we just don't want to do the healthier thing. So I developed a three-second rule. And what that basically means is anytime you want to make a change in your life, when you're about to enact that new healthy behavior in the moment, if you wait longer than three seconds to do it, you will revert back to the old unhealthy behavior that you are trying to stop. Here is an example of how that plays out. John wants to improve his body, so he's tired of carrying around the extra weight because it affects his self-esteem. So he's really committed to changing his lifestyle and has decided that he's gonna start going to the gym. He's decided to wake up around 5 a.m., which is very, very ambitious, and go to the gym. However, at 5 a.m., when his alarm sounds, he lies in bed and thinks about how comfortable or how tired he is for longer than three seconds. After those three seconds, John rolls over and goes back to sleep. While John's at work, he decides he's gonna go to the gym at lunchtime. 
He's going to go for at least 30 minutes and he'll feel satisfied that he's accomplished his goal. Lunchtime has arrived. He hasn't prepared his mind to go to the gym. And the thought of him rushing to the gym, doing 30 minutes of cardio and quickly showering doesn't appeal to John. So he decides to go after work. So just as John is about to leave work, his coworkers ask him if he wants to go for a quick happy hour. John thinks about it longer than three seconds and he decides to go to happy hour. So he justifies that tomorrow morning, because that was his original plan, he is going to go to the gym at 5 a.m. Unfortunately, happy hour lasts longer than he thought. And John got to bed at 12 a.m. And the next thing you know, the alarm sounds at 5. As we hear this, we can all relate to this because every time we want to do something new, it's easier to find a justification or easier to give ourselves a way out or easier to not be fully committed to the new thing we want to do because making a change is hard work. So the three second rule is essentially this. Anytime you're going to make a change, you have to have already thought through what you're going to do as soon as the time arrives or as soon as the opportunity arrives for you to do the new healthy behavior. Because if you wait longer to think about it or you don't immediately do it, your default is to go back to do what you did before. And if you're trying to change what you did before, the only way to change it is to do the healthier thing. So for example, with the situation with John, getting up at 5 a.m., which is very, very ambitious. I don't necessarily recommend that for people unless you can truly be committed to that. Because remember, anytime you have a goal, if you set yourself up to fail, it just reinforces that you can't make a change or you're not a morning person or whatever that excuse may be. But you want to make sure that anything you do, you've set yourself up for success, not for failure. So at 5 a.m., if John gets up or if you get up at this time, if you haven't put your clothes out the night before, or if you haven't set your alarm farther away from your bed, or if you haven't done something different than you typically would do when you wake up, it is going to be easier for you to roll over and go to bed. So the whole goal of the three-second rule is preparation. Preparation for what you can do way before you're supposed to do something allows for you to easily do it without thinking about doing the old unhealthy behavior. Because like I said, it's easier to default back to that old behavior. Another example, and this is one that we've probably all done. Janet knows she should avoid certain foods, but she overhears her coworkers talking about a new dessert that her favorite restaurant has. Just so happens that that restaurant is on her way home. And so as she drives home, she thinks about how delicious the dessert would taste for longer than three seconds. The next thing you know, she is seated at the restaurant waiting for her order. It's so easy for each one of us to get triggered by something. And so if we haven't thought about it, for example, if, if Janet here had heard this and she knew that it would be a trigger for her or she knew that she was going to drive by it, then she would need to create a lot of buffers so she wasn't tempted to do that. And that would be taking a different ride home. That would be talking to someone on the phone to help her not be able to fall into self-sabotage. So I think this is an exciting rule because the more preparation you have every time you do something new, the more successful you will be in accomplishing the new thing you want to do. So think about how the three-second rule plays out in your life. What have you historically done that continually causes you to self-sabotage and you don't even realize it? And the more awareness you have, you'll realize how quickly you think about something longer than three seconds and why you revert to the old behavior. So with preparation, you can overcome any obstacle you may face. I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank you all who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. I have been so blessed and honored by your continual support. I wanted to make sure that you don't miss out on anything exciting that's happening over here. So make sure you sign up for my free newsletter at jamesmillerlifeology.com.
Dr. Glenn Livingston is a psychologist you may have seen in the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, or the New York Daily News. He's researched the nature of overeating for decades and self-funded a study with 40,000 plus participants. Today, Glenn shares his personal journey out of obesity and provides practical tips to quickly stop overeating. Today, he'll also be talking about his fantastic new book called 45 Binge Trigger Busters. This is a must read for you. So Glenn, thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. Thank you so much for having me, James. I've been looking forward to this for a month. <laughs> I have as well. My listeners may or may not know this, but this is actually Glenn's third time being on my show. Glenn, uh, we met, gosh, I think like maybe three years ago when my show was just a little podcast. And then a couple years ago, you were on my show again and when it was radio. And now you're here to talk about your fantastic new book. So this is going to be great. And now you're a moving and shaking guy <laughs> in the world, aren't you? <laughs> so I guess in some places, but that's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Your Amazon number one bestseller book, Never Binge Again. That's what we talked about the first two shows. And so we want to do a little bit of recap on that. And then we'll jump into the new book, 45 Binge Trigger Busters, because I know so many people listening today, we all struggle with this. I know for me, chocolate is my kryptonite. <laughs> I have to be, yeah, I have to be very, very careful about that. So this is going to be good for me as well. So give us a little bit of your backstory. So you um, have overcome obesity yourself. You look fantastic. Tell my listeners a little bit about your journey. I, I, um, I was an exercise bulimic. When I, when I was 17, I figured out that if I worked out for two or three hours a day, that because I'm you know, 6'4 and fairly muscular, if I could get eat whatever I wanted to. And it didn't bother me. I, I thought it was like a superpower. It, mm. um, you know, I, I was in eating, exercising, and pooping machine. Let's just put it like yeah. that. <laughs> We've all been and, there. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem with that was more when I got older. And I was 23, 24, and I was married, and I had patience and responsibilities and a two-hour commute both ways. And I didn't have the time to work out. My metabolism was slowing down. But I found that the foods had overtaken me. Mm-hmm. And since we're just doing a quick recap, I'll tell you that um, the journey to the solution was much longer than it needed to be because I had the idea as a psychologist from a family of 17 psychologists that it must be a hole in my heart. And if I could fix what was hurting me psychologically, then I wouldn't have to eat. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have to keep filling my stomach if I could fill up my heart. And eventually I figured out that that wasn't really the case, that you could have any emotion and still stop yourself from overeating. It's kind of like you could have a big fire. If the emotion is the fire, mm-hmm. you could have a big fire in a good fireplace. And that becomes the center of hearth and home and memories and stories. They all coalesce around that fireplace, uh, provided that there aren't any holes in the fireplace. Mm-hmm. And I, dis- I discovered there was this voice of justification in my head that kept poking holes in the fireplace. I figured out how to deal with that voice of justification, which was um, more like a alpha wolf dealing with a challenger for leadership. And when an alpha wolf, when alpha wolf is challenged for leadership in the pack, it doesn't say, oh my goodness, someone needs a hug, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I was trying to say, right? <laughs> it, it, it growls and it snarls and it says, get back in line or I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. And I studied neurology a little bit and I, and I realized that I was dealing with the reptilian brain, the seat of Overeating was in the reptilian brain. The repti- mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't know love. So of course you can't fix this with love because the reptilian brain do- doesn't know love. It's it's like a it's a bodily organ that generates Changing a very his- powerful biological urge. Mm-hmm. And it's no different than your bladder or your testicles mm-hmm. um, or your ovaries. It, you know, your bladder says, you really have to pee. You say, well, hold off a minute. I'm in a meeting, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we'll get to it when we can. Um, you see an attractive woman in the street or an attractive man and you 
you say, your testicles say, oh my God, I got to go kiss him mm -hmm. or her. And you're, you don't run off and do that because you're a social person in society and you live a, um, you know, valid, meaningful life. And so, so, so what I'm saying is that we live comfortably with these impulses in everyday life, knowing that we're dominant and the impulse isn't dominant. But because the pleasure of food has been toxically enhanced by, you know, corporations that engineer these hyperpalatal concentrations of starch and sugar and fat and oil and excitotoxins. Chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, chocolate, right. right. No, 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 seriously. There, there's yeah, no I know they do, yeah. There's no chocolate on the savannah. We're not prepared for that. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, it's a little harder, but it's, it's very possible. And so Never Binge Again turned out to be, it was going to be a private thing. It was just going to be the way that I recovered myself when I discovered, um, I called my reptilian brain my pig. I called the things that I wasn't supposed to eat pig slop. And so, for example, if I had a rule that said I only have read chocolate on Sundays, if I heard something in my head that said, oh, Glenn, you worked out hard enough, it's not going to make a difference today, you can start tomorrow. <laughs> that was my pig's We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. My pig was willing for slop. And I said, I don't eat pig slop. I don't let farm animals tell me what to do. And it gave me those extra microseconds at the moment of impulse to wake up and remember mm -hmm. who and, and that, that's the short story of Never Binge Again. It, it, I wound up publishing it. Um, it wasn't a conscious and purposeful effort. It was because I was a partner in a publishing company and they really wanted to try something. And it took off. And so... Yes, it did. Congratulations. That's wonderful. We've got almost 700,000 readers now. That is amazing. I love it. It's, it's crazy. Yes, that is fantastic. And James, sometimes I'll be in a bookstore and people don't... They don't recognize, they don't know my name, but they vaguely recognize me because mm -hmm. it's in a bunch of videos and they'll come up to me and point and go, pig guy, <laughs> <laughs> which is not what you want to happen on a first date. Not so much. <laughs> that's hysterical. Yeah. So that, that's what I'm famous for now these days. <laughs> that is really funny. And my listeners definitely have to go back and listen to those other two shows. And, and my, my name is Glenn. If you see me in a bookstore, my name is Glenn. <laughs> come up to me. I'll give you a hug. That's so funny. Yeah. What I'll also do is I'll put those first two episodes from a couple of years ago in the show notes. So if my listeners want to go back and listen to it, you may just simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com and you'll see uh, Dr. Glenn Livingston's show in there as well that we're doing today. So let's transition to the 45 binge trigger busters. So that's an offshoot of Never Binge Again, correct? Yeah. So, you know, after I published it, we started generating all these coaching inquiries and, and we opened up a program and I coached hundreds of people at this point. And what I found the most common question was, well, how do you apply this in X specific situation? You know, like I always eat when I'm bored. What mm -hmm. do you do when you're bored? Or um, I have a problem if I get too full, that's actually a trigger to make me binge more. Or uh, what about when you're lonely? How do you deal with being lonely? Or what about at night? Or, you know, what about if you get too hungry, angry, or tired? And what if you're not losing weight? So all, there were all these triggers that seemed to set people off. Mm -hmm. And over the years, we developed an understanding of how to disempower the voice of justification that, um, that arose in response to those triggers. And so finally I said, okay, I'll put this all in a book. And that way 
people don't have to ask me every day about this sure. trigger or that trigger. Yeah. Well, because that's true. I mean, every, everybody has some type of connection to food. And so life happens when stress happens, when we um, have a fight or flight or freeze response when it affects us, we do have to do something with those emotions or something with that adrenaline, something with that norepinephrine. It has to go somewhere. And oftentimes people will have a form of physical movement to get rid of that. And that can often be to go to the, to the grocery store or go to a restaurant or go to the refrigerator or move something to your mouth. And so that, that, that physicality of of those, I guess, neurotransmitters in our brain has to go somewhere. And so sometimes people link those things together of cause and effect. My fight or flight has been triggered and my effect is now I, now I eat. Even more pertinent for binge eating mm-hmm. is that the, the feast or famine response is triggered. Mm, I like that. That's much better. Much better said. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that, that very primitive survival response. Sure. But it, do, it does feel like an emergency. And it's triggered not only by emotions or feeling lonely or you know tired or something like that. But it's triggered by the variations in availability of nutrients and calories in your bloodstream. And this is why I, I always say that most, most binge eaters, most overeaters are also really good dieters. Mm-hmm. If you take, a, take someone's history and they'll tell you, oh, you know, I lost 40 pounds five years ago, but I gained it all back. And I'll ask them how they lost it. And they usually lost it fairly quickly. Uh, by severely restricting their calories and nutrition. Mm-hmm. And they got really, really good at that. There's a high associated with that also, just like the high of yeah, binge eating. And what they did is they told their body that they were in a famine state. And if, you're, if your brain thinks that you live in an environment where famine is possible, what do you think it's going to do the moment that food seems to be available? It's going to store it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, let's hoard as much as, poss- as we possibly can. And so... Overcoming binge eating, first and foremost, involves taking yourself out of feast and famine and keeping a regular, reliable course of nutrition going through your veins most of the time. You know, at least mm-hmm. three meals, at least three meals a day, every day. This is why you have to have breakfast that day after you binge, even if you don't feel like it. And um, if you want to lose weight, don't lose more than a pound or two per week. I mean, unless your doctor says it, George, and I can't override your doctor. Sure. Yeah, of course. But but no more than a pound or two per week. I don't like when people who are really struggling with binging do all of this um, fasting, even though I know there are medical benefits to fasting. It seems to just stimulate that horde response as soon as they make a mistake. And um, regular, reliable, slow weight loss is the way to to win the game. Well, I think in anything, I mean, if, if you have a drastic weight loss, that's just like a, a fad diet. You can't sustain it. If you have not created, because we know, let me back up for a second. We know that it takes 66, an average 66 times for people to do something to create a habit. And so we, a lot of people used to think it was 21 times, but it's 66. And that's the thing. If, if someone is losing weights and they're trying something, you know, if they lose it significantly, there's no strength there or no endurance there to maintain it because they lose it so fast. But you know, the, like the old adage says, strength that comes easy is not strength at all. You're quickly going to bounce back to where you were before because you haven't created that endurance to be able to be more mindful and practical of what you eat. That's why I really like what you said as far as that whole a pound a day or well, you know, very, very slow increments because that is going to give you that endurance. More than 66 times of continually doing something creates a lifestyle change as opposed to let me do this because it's the latest fad. And there's so many latest fads out, out nowadays. James, the other thing we're finding to prevent the bounce back is something that's maybe a little counterintuitive on its surface, but it, we call it a soft touchdown. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think about it, when, when we sent men to the moon, we accelerate this rocket to something like 20,000 miles an hour. 
and it takes you know a few days to get in the vicinity of the moon. But then there's a process of deceleration. It doesn't crash into the moon at 20,000 miles an hour. It mm-hmm. you know decelerates to 10,000 miles an hour and then 5,000 miles an hour and and it by the time it lands there's a very soft touchdown. It's actually only going a few miles an hour before it touches the ground. And that prevents damage to the lander and makes sure that you know it can go where it wants to go after that. And what I find with my clients is that to sustain the weight loss, as you're starting to approach your goal weight, it's better to start making adjustments then than waiting until you get to your goal weight. Most people mm, wait. Them. Interesting. And so if you're losing two pounds a week, well, add some calories and nutrition so you're only losing one pound a week. And then when you're getting pretty close, you know, drop that to a half a pound. And your brain doesn't notice the stark transition mm. as quickly then, and you're not you're less, much less likely to trigger that horde reflex. Although I've never never actually heard of that before. That makes perfect sense to me. And I know so many times people can get excited about, oh, the certain dress size or the way they look in the mirror. And that can be such a wonderful it's a wonderful benefit, but if that's the main reason why people do that, they're not going to be able to sustain that because the beach isn't always, well, except for people like us in Florida, the beach isn't always there, so they don't have to maintain a beach body or that event is there, so they don't have to wear their certain dress size. And so if people don't have a buy-in of this is a lifestyle change of something I want to do or need to do for myself and they do it for an external purpose or reason, they won't be able to sustain it. So it's really nice to hear that you help them be able to maintain this by that slow, soft touchdown. Yeah. Well, can you give us some of the examples of maybe one or two triggers? One trigger is feeling bored. A lot of mm-hmm. people feel like they have to eat when they feel bored. And what I tell people to overcome that is to understand that feeling bored is a good sign. Mm-hmm. Because part of the addiction that we have to overeating is an addict- addiction to overstimulation. And if you think about what goes on in our culture, I mean, just look at a, any any coming attraction in the movies. I mean, how many car chases and scantily clad women and, you know, explosions and scene changes are there? There, It's, it's unnatural. We don't, we don't experience that. (laughs) We don't live in that world. (laughs) We we, we don't don't live in that world. Right. And the same with food when, you know, like I said, we didn't have potato chips in the tropics when we were growing up and, and we were evolving and we didn't have, mm-hmm. um, you know, chocolate or pizza or pasta. Or, and, and the stimuli, these, these food-like substances, the bags and boxes and containers, they're only getting stronger. Mm-hmm. They, there are billions of dollars that go into figuring out how to maximize the response and, you know, maximize the return um, for the companies. And I always like to say there's a, every time you're miserable, buried under a bag or a box or a container, there's some fat cat in the white suit and the mustache <laughs> <laughs> laughing all the way to the bank. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so feeling That's bored right. is a good sign. And what people don't know is that on the other side of feeling bored, you'll find purpose, probably mm. your life's purpose. Mm, I like that. But you, it, it has to happen because when you withdraw from the addiction to overstimulation in the world, then you're left with a mental energy that starts to be focused towards what your other pleasures are in life um, and, and provided you don't allow it to go towards you know some other short-term gratification yeah, that of course it, it, you, you'll you know you'll start writing you'll start connecting with other people you'll start painting you'll start spending more time with your kids or your spouse or whatever it is but 
you you have to begin to find your purpose if you withdraw less stimulation. It's just how our brains are set up. We have to put that energy someplace. And so feeling bored is a really good sign. And the only way out is through. I would even jump a little bit, a piggyback off of that is when I hear the word bored and everybody has a different connotation, in other words, a different meaning of what words mean. To me, the word bored, I, I think that if someone has not experienced quietude, then it would seem very boring. But I like to take it maybe on a secondary level of not only is it boredom because they've never they don't have any external stimulation, but it's also just quietude. If they, if someone is not, if someone is continually on their phone or watching TV or running around with their friends, but just simply finding that quietude and stillness allows for other voices, if you will, I say that very loosely, other ideas, other concepts to happen in one's life. So I think it goes from a place of boredom because we've never experienced it, but then it turns into a place of quietude and that's where reflection and introspection happens. And that's a new experience for people. Mm-hmm. Certainly is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have I have a lot of clients that I've worked with as well as, as they're like, I hate being alone with myself or I hate this or I never want to go on a date with myself. And, and that's just the whole concept of the external stimulation that they're not used to having that time of quietude or reflection. Exactly. With this book, how are you finding that it continually changes people's lives? Well, we launched it about two weeks ago. So, so, oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I don't really know yet. We, we, we're getting good feedback on it so far. I'm sure. We're... We're being told that it, you know, speaks much more specifically to the situations that they have trouble with. Um, so I'm sure that if you wanted to talk talk about that next year, I could more thoroughly answer. Yeah, yeah, of course. But but I, I can tell you with the coaching clients that it gives them a lot of confidence and power when we go over the specific situations. So um, I think the book should do a lot of the same thing. And so talking about your coaching, we have just a few more minutes. Talking about your coaching itself, is that something if my listeners wanted to work with you, would they be able to do that? Yeah, what what you um, they would need to hurry because I'm not going to be doing it myself for too much longer. Mm-hmm. I have coaches that work for me, but for the next couple of months, I am still running the program myself. Um, what they would need to do is get get a copy of the main book, Never Binge Again, at neverbingeagain.com, and you can get that for free if you click on the big red button and sign up for read a bonus list. Once you do that, you'll get a link to the 45 Binge Triggers book if you want to buy that too. Perfect. And at, at the bottom of every email is a link to the um, to the description of the coaching package if they want to do that. Excellent. Okay. Or they can just contact us on the website. Okay, perfect. Well, once again, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on my show. It's always good to hear about these things and a really good reframe for me as I continue on in my own fitness and nutrition journey. So Dr. Glenn Livingston, once again, thank you. If my listeners do want to find out more information about you and obviously purchase this book, where could they find all this information online? Everything is at neverbingeagain.com. Perfect. Links to our social media, our, our readers forum, our podcast, everything is at neverbingeagain.com. Wonderful. Well, then my listeners know that I will also have all of that information in the show notes at either jamesmillerlifeology.com or at lifeology.tv. Dr. Gunn Livingston, thank you once again. Thank you for having me, James. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.